Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. again, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. We appreciate you guys very much. Let's uh, continue to stay connected and focused on the Lord this morning as we transition and uh, dismiss our beach kids and beach babies this morning. Uh, Let's go ahead and uh, dismiss them. We thank you guys so much for joining us again for giving us the privilege of uh, fellowshipping together and and worshiping together. It's a special day. And so after our service, we're going to have our baptism. And so, uh, Jeeds, just be be on the lookout when it's time for everybody to come downstairs, okay? So at the end, um, when we get ready to do the baptism, we're going to have some time of prayer in here over those that are getting baptized. And then we're going to walk and go out to the front and invite you to go out and celebrate with us uh, and be a part of the the baptism. Uh, But we are thankful that it's not just a day of um, baptism and celebration, but we also have the privilege of having Pastor Janine Ellis with us today. Uh, Yeah. She did an awesome job at her 9 o'clock service, um, and so we're excited for her to be able to share uh, this, this morning as well. And so would you make her welcome as she comes? my mic on. Can you guys hear me? Yes. yes. Good. Good morning, guys. It's so, it's so good to be here. In some ways, I feel like I'm, I'm home because this was my church. Goodness, I don't want to say how many years ago now when I was like 16. I'll let you do that. Um, and I really enjoyed being a part of this congregation for several years. My family, my mom and dad. I'm a Reyes girl. I don't know if you guys can tell. <laughs> But um, my mom and dad are Mike and Stacy, and so thank you. Just thank you for letting me be here. It feels like such a gift to just be able to share the word with you today. Um, just so you guys know, dress up for you. Shoes on. <laughs> yeah. I used to run around here pretty barefoot, and I, I dressed up and put on my flip-flops for you guys today. So you're welcome. <laughs> All right, well, today we're going to... We're going to look through um, a psalm. We're going to look through specifically Psalm chapter 77. But uh, before we do that, I wanted to give us some background about the book of Psalms. So this sermon's going to feel like it has two parts, all right? And if you'd give me 15 minutes to lay some uh, foundation for the chapter that we're going to read, I promise you'll be glad that you did, okay? It'll benefit us as we read 
uh, Psalm 77 together today, all right? So don't zone out during the first part. No, this is just background, context, info stuff. No, 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 this is the good stuff too. Okay? So you with me? All right, let's do it. All right, the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible, the book of Psalms is in the Old Testament. It's a pretty long one. It's in there, and if you've ever tried to read through it, notice that it almost sounds like prayer or songs. That's because the book of Psalms is. It's not just a book of songs, but it is actually a poetic prayer. Uh, I don't know if you could say guide, it's, but you could use it to guide your prayers and your meditation. When you read through it, it has some really intentional structure, and I want to point that out today because I think it's really going to help us, okay? So the book of Psalm has, Psalms has five intentional sections. All right, five sections. If you look in your Bible, it might say books. So as you're reading through the book of Psalms, notice that uh, at the top of, of one, it might say book one, and then it goes through several chapters. And then it'll say book two, it'll go through several chapters, right? If you've ever noticed that. Well, for the sake of not being confusing today, because when I hear the word book, I think about like, books of the Bible. Anybody else? Yeah? For the sake of not being confusing, we're going to call those five books that we find in Psalms, we're going to call them sections, okay? So the book of Psalms has five sections laid out intentionally, and the book starts with an intro, which is the first two chapters, and a closing, which is the last five chapters, all right? And we're going to talk about why that matters. So let's take a look at the introduction to the book of Psalms, okay? So the introduction is chapters one and chapter two. If I had to sum up these chapters in one sentence, which is what I tried to do on the slide, um, I would sum them up like this, okay? Psalm chapter 1, this is the one who meditates on the Torah. Man, if I had to sum up what Psalm chapter 1 really says, it tells us that we are blessed if we would meditate on the Torah. Now, blessed, I think most of us have sort of an understanding of what that means. To be close to the Lord, to have him moving in our, in our life, to have the Lord's favor resting on us. Man, that's what it is to be blessed. But let's talk about some of the other words in this sentence here, okay? Blessed is the one who meditates. Who meditates. That's different than just reading, isn't it? Does it sound a little different? If I'm read, I read things like instructions. And my dad's saying, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't read instructions. Or maybe a you, or maybe a book uh, to my kids before bed, right? That's what, uh, those, are, those are examples of some of the things that I might read. But something that I'm meditating on, that's a little different. That implies that I'm not just looking at the words on the page, I'm not just reading through quickly to, you know, get, to get the gist of it. If I'm meditating on something, that means that I am diligently digging into it. I'm seeking, and I am uh, I am confident that if I would take time with what I am reading, that it would change me, that it would speak to me, and that it would teach me something about who God is. That's what it means to meditate. Now, it's uh, Psalms chapter 1 talks about meditating on the Torah. And what is the Torah? It, it feels like a fancy word, but it's nothing. It's, it, the, what Torah means at the very core is teaching. Okay? about who God is. And uh, before you think you have to leave and get an, a new book, you don't. You have the Torah. It's the first five books of your Bible, okay? So when the Old Testament refers to the Torah, that's what it's referring to, those first five books, all right? So blessed is the one who meditates 
on the Torah. Blessed is the one who takes that word of God and who doesn't just read it quickly, but who meditates on it, who takes time with it, and who diligently seeks out the Lord there. That person will be blessed. That's the gist of Psalms chapter 1. And Psalms chapter 2 is similar. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in the king. Now the word refuge, that implies that I'm in need, doesn't it? If somebody's taking refuge, that means that they need refuge, right? So the word refuge implies that I'm in need of safety or security. I'm in need of, of someone to save me, right, and to keep me secure. The one who takes refuge in the king. Not temporal, world, things that, fall, that, uh, that fade away, but in who Jesus is. Blessed is that person. So the introduction to this book is twofold. Blessed is the one who reads God's word, meditates on it, knows that it can change them, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in who Jesus is. That's the opening to this book. Pretty cool, right? Pretty good. So what, as I was studying and preparing for this message, I, uh, I came across a resource, the Bible Project, and they summed up the introduction to the book of like this, and I really liked it, so I just quoted it, all right? They said the book of Psalms is written for people who are striving to be faithful to the Torah waiting for the Messianic kingdom. People who are striving to be faithful to the Torah while waiting for the Messianic kingdom. So the book of Psalms was written for in-between people. It was written for people who had read the, those first five books of your Bible, who had uh, experienced and remembered what God had done all throughout the narrative of Scripture and who were waiting for Jesus to come, right? Because this is an Old Testament book. And so the in-between that they were in would have been the in-between uh, between the God who they knew throughout the Old Testament and the Jesus that they were waiting for someday. And they were just diligently waiting for that day. But we're in-between people too, aren't we? Yeah? We're in-between people too because we know that Jesus has come in the flesh, he died, he rose again, and we are now waiting for him to come back, to, for him to return, and for his kingdom to exist here on earth. So we are in between people too. So the book of Psalms is more relatable than you think, because while these people were waiting and searching for that kingdom, so are we. But what do we know about being in, in between? It's messy, isn't it? <laughs> it's messy, hard, it's exhausting. Why? Because we're waiting for that future hope in the waiting, life is difficult. And you guys, listen, I know our human experience. You guys don't need to tell you that sometimes life just stinks and it's hard. Living in the in-between can be really messy. So that's what the beginning of this book reminds us of. But let's, let's keep going and let's talk about the five different sections of the book of Psalms, okay? So the first chapters 3 through 41, and what these chapters are going to do is they're going to really remind us of God's covenant faithfulness. Man, we serve a God who is faithful to his covenant with us, even when we are really bad at keeping covenants. And spoiler alert, we are really bad at keeping covenants, right? If you've ever read through God's word over and over again, his people find creative ways to be unfaithful to him, and God finds a way every time to be even more faithful than ever to them. So in this first section, you're going to find a call to covenant faithfulness and a reminder of who God is. The second section, this is chapters 42 
through 72, they're going to really talk about future hope, about um, a restored temple, right? That's, so if you're reading through it, remember you're reading an Old Testament book. It's going to talk about the temple because that's where the people in the Old Testament would have met to really experience God's presence. So the temple was really valuable to them. But we know that we have a temple too, right? The way that we gain access to the Lord is through Jesus. And so when you read about the temple throughout this section of Psalms, I want, um, I want references to the temple to remind us that that's Jesus for us. So this is the second section. The third section is about exile and downfall. Third section's kind of a bummer, isn't it? You're like, okay, we're talking about faithfulness and hope and then exile. Here we are, right? So right in the middle of the book, it gets a little difficult. And, we'll, and you'll find that these chapters... Over and over again, the psalmist will ask God to remember his promise. Why? Because they're going through difficulty, and they, they need to know that he's, he's remembering them. So in section four, you're going to find chapters that really focus on God's mercy. Why? Because when we find ourselves in exile, God doesn't push us further into exile. He says, I have mercy for you. I have grace and compassion for you when you find yourself in that position. Section 5 is going to be chapters 107 through 147, and it's all about defeated evil and redemption. Why? Because that's the end of the story. The Bible is a redemption story, and we are to see ourselves as an extension of that redemption story. And you guys didn't get excited when I said that, and I don't know why, because the Bible is a redemption story. Over and over again, God shows us that no matter what, he's there. No matter what, he's there, and he can redeem anything that we give him. He can handle us. And then the closing of the book of Psalms is, is the last five chapters, 146 through 150. And guys, it's really just an invitation to praise. If you like the word hallelujah, these are the chapters for you. Because, because you will find that word there over and over again. And what does the word hallelujah mean? Well, hallel means praise. And Yah is just shorthand for Yahweh, which is the name of God throughout the Old Testament. And so when you see that word, it literally just means praise Yahweh, praise God. And you can hear that and you can, um, you can hear that as an expression of praise, which it is. But man, you can also hear that as an invitation. Praise God. It's an invitation. So the closing of this book really isn't a, a, a the end, close the book, is it? It's not. The end of the, of the book of Psalms is really an invitation to go all the way back to the beginning, to start over, because praise God for all the things that he's done. So why does this matter? I promised you it would matter. <laughs> I did, didn't I? It matters because the underlying theme of all of that is God's kingdom. Not because the Lord just wants to be this king on a throne, and reign, and you guys just do what I say, but because God's kingdom is the only one that will last forever, and he is inviting us to be part of it. He's inviting us to be part of that. That's pretty awesome. So why does it matter? Well, let's go back, and let's see what the story of, of 
of, of the Psalms, even though it's not a narrative, it's poetry. But let's see what the structure of this book tells us before we even start reading it. Okay. Here's what it tells us. In chapter 1, we're invited to meditate on the Torah. We're invited to meditate on who God has been throughout all of time. I, to meditate on what the Word says about who He is. And that when we do diligently, He begins to change who we are. Man, and then, then we're invited to take refuge in a king. Not something that's temporary, not something that'll pass away, but something that we can always find. We're invited to take refuge in that king. And then we're invited into his covenant faithfulness. We're invited to partner with who God is, to link arms with him, with purpose and meaning. And we have this understanding because we have meditated on the Torah. We understand that even though we're going to fail at this, every single time that we fail, he's right there. And that if we would fail towards him and lean into who he is, even in our failures, he will keep his covenant with us. Why? Because there is a future hope. Man, not just of a physical temple where you can experience who God is, uh, but there is a future hope of a king, a redeemer, a messiah who will forever reign. Guys, I, this church building is beautiful, but the church is you. Wherever you are, that's where Jesus is. And, and we're invited into a hope that allows us to be in the, presence of Jesus, in the presence of the Lord always because of who Jesus is. And then when exile comes, when downfall comes, let's, let's make this more real, when hardship comes, the days where you feel so far away from God, is he even real? On those days, God doesn't meet you with disappointment. How dare you question me? No. What does God meet us with? With mercy. With who he is. He says, come here. Why? Because he has defeated evil. Because the Bible redemption story because my story is a redemption story and your story could be a redemption story and what do we do when we realize all of that what else can you do but praise hallelujah right praise the lord so that's what the psalms teaches us before we even read it that's pretty cool right i promised you it'd be worth it one, one last thing before we head into the scripture today, before we head into Psalm 77. I want us to notice that the book of Psalms is both a book of lament and praise. If you read it from beginning to end, what you'll notice is that the first three sections that we talked about, they are really more full of lament. And the last two, they're more full of praise. And you know what I love about that? Is that even that simple structure I think what, what the word is teaching us is that perfect praise doesn't come from just, you know, everything being great, praise the Lord, my life is good. But that sometimes the best, most honest, real praise comes from a place of lament. Sometimes lament, sometimes just saying, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. God, this doesn't make sense. Lord, are you even there? Sometimes the best praise can come from that heartache and that pain, letting Jesus enter into that and, ch and changing us. Sometimes, guys, lament just has to come first. And I think the structure of the book of Psalms reminds us of that.
This is an intentional word. It wasn't just slapped together. And I think that when we look at the way this is written, and it teaches us. All right. Are you guys ready to jump into Psalm 77? We're going to spend the rest of the time here, another maybe 15, 20 minutes or so. And here's what I'm going to do, because I know that you guys don't know me. I am, I'm new, I'm new here. I'm going to take this chunk by chunk all the way through the chapter. And then once we're done talking it through, I'm just going to read it all the way through. And then we're going to take communion. And I believe that maybe after we've discussed it, after we've really meditated on it, because Psalms 1 tells me that if I meditate on the, on the word, I'll be blessed. I think if we would take the time to do that today, I think that when we read it at the end, it's going to sound different. All right? So it's a little experiment. You guys ready to try? Okay. All right, so what do we know about Psalm 77 just from what we've already talked about? What, what, what section is it in? Pop quiz. It's in, yeah. Yeah, whoever said the third one, you're right. It's in section three. So, exile <laughs> and downfall. Yeah, I told, I told the first group, you all thought I was going to be a ray of sunshine today. <laughs> but really, we're getting into the difficult stuff. <laughs> so, it's in section three. So, man, and you're going to find out as soon as we start reading that uh, this song really starts out in exile. And when we say that, what do we mean? People who are in exile in the Old Testament, they're people who are far away from their God. They're people who are far away from home. When we read about exile, um, a good example, I think, throughout the narrative of Scripture is when God's people were slaves in Egypt. They were exiled. They were far away from home. God sent them a deliverer to get them out of exile. Psalm, it starts out with, with those themes of exile really popping out at us. All right? Let's get started. Verses 1 through 3 of Psalm 77. I will cry out to God and call for help. I will cry out to God and he will pay attention to me. In my time of trouble, I sought the Lord. I kept my hand raised in prayer throughout the night. I refused to be comforted. I said, I will remember God while I groan. I will think about him while my strength leaves me. We just sucked all the air out of the room, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. The writer of the psalm is clearly writing from a place of deep hurt and pain and heartache, and it sounds like they've been going through it for a while. So hey, if that's you in here today, it's okay. Find is that the Lord meets. What I really want to notice about these first several verses is this. Um, and, and I think that the, the theme of exile is real obvious when we look at these first couple sentences. The writer says, I will cry out to God and call for help. Man, the first thing they write in this psalm is, I will cry out to God and call for help. And here's what I think that's supposed to remind us of. I think it is supposed to remind us of the times throughout the Old Testament, where God's people cry out and God hears them. And why do I think that? Well, because of the second sentence. I will cry out to God and he will pay attention to me. You see, I don't think that that's just some like random confidence that this writer has. I think that what they are communicating to us is that, hey, remember that God who heard the cry of his people in Egypt and what did he do? He didn't just, ah, you know, sorry, tough luck. You didn't do what I, you know, what I wanted. So 
here you are, there's your consequence. No, that God heard his people and he sent them a redeemer. Whether they deserved it or not, he heard his people and he sent one, right? That's the God we see all throughout the narrative of scripture. And I think that's the God that this psalmist is referring to when he says, I will cry out to God and he will hear me. He will hear me. The psalm begins in, ex- in exile. It's, I think, also a reminder that the Lord hears us and he is close to us. So let's keep going. Psalm 77, verse 4. Okay? Quick little verse, and it's kind of weird. When I first read it, I thought, what? But then I, then I fell in love with it as I meditated on it. It says this in verse 4. You held my eyelids open. I was troubled, and I could not speak. Now, when I read this, it reminded me of the times where I've been in so much pain, and I don't know if any of you in the room do this, but sometimes when I'm in intense pain, I just close my eyes as hard as I can. Because I don't know, there's something just not having to focus on anything but the back of your eyelids that, I don't know, maybe makes it better. I've thought about the times when I've been in so much pain that it was hard to speak. Yeah, have any of you ever experienced that? Where you're trying to get out a sentence and you can't because you're just hurting? Now sometimes it's physical pain, but sometimes that's, that's on the inside. Sometimes that can just be so much grief or so much anxiety that it's hard to even speak, that we feel like if we could just shut everything out, maybe that would help. I thought about those moments in my life, and I loved what this verse says. It says, you held my eyes open. And it made me think about a Jesus who's so close to us that he can lift our head and say, open your eyes, look at me. This verse is not a picture of a God who's far away. This verse is a picture of a God who's so close that he can literally just hold our eyes on him. He can lift our head gently and focus us on him, even in pain and trouble and heartache. So in the midst of your exile, you have a God who hears you and who's so close that he can hold your eyes and fix them on him. That's pretty good. Let's keep reading. Verses 5 through 7. I thought about the days of old, about ancient times. I said, during the night, I remember the song I once sang. I will think very carefully. This reminds me of times where I try to pretend like it's all okay. Like, maybe think about how things once were, and I just focus on the positive, I'll be fine. Anybody else see that? The next part of the verse says, I tried to make sense of what was happening. I asked, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never again show me his favor? And that, that sentence right there, I tried to make sense of what was happening. That might be one of the most relatable sentences in the psalm. <laughs> Have you guys ever been there? Lord, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm trying to make sense of what you're doing. I'm trying to make sense of what's happening in my life because none of it feels good or blessed right now. We've all been in a place where we've looked to heaven and thought, are you even there? Lord, make sense of this for me. I don't understand. Why is this happening? Right? That's a difficult place to be. He asks, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never again show me his favor? Now, this isn't a good example of a part of the psalm is lament. Right? We're having like a whole pity party right now. And it's okay. You know why? Because he, this, this writer is 
He's being honest with God. He's not, oh, God, you know, life's a mess, but, like, praise you. Oh, goodness, like, praise the Lord. He's not glossing over his hurt, his heartache, or what he actually thinks and feels in order to get to the other side of the rainbow of praise. He's saying, Lord, um, when I make sense of what is happening, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust that you've got something there for me. These are honest prayers. Man, I love the verses that happen next. Because in a moment where this psalmist is questioning who God is, I think that God shows him exactly who he is. So let's keep reading. Psalm 77, verses 8 to 10. They say this. This is my favorite. Has his loyal love disappeared forever? Has his promise failed forever? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has his anger stifled his compassion? Then I said, I am sickened by the thought that the Most High might become inactive. That I think we need to remember as we read through books, uh, especially a book like Psalms, is that these writers, they would have known the Old Testament. They would have meditated on it. That's why Psalm 1 tells us to do that, because they were themselves doing it. And they would have been people who knew uh, what the Word said about who God was. And they would have been people who would have referenced that, that, those parts of Scripture in order to convey meaning and in order to make a point with more than just the words on the page. So what I think is happening here is I think what we're seeing is the writer of the psalm is calling to our mind Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7. In Exodus 34, what's happening in that, what's happening in that narrative is God is speaking to Moses. And he's actually giving Moses the Ten Commandments for the second time because Moses broke the first. <laughs> Did you guys know that? Did you guys remember that? And he, the, the Lord literally, it says in Exodus 34, it says, I'm going to give this law to you again because you broke the first one. And as he's doing that, God describes himself to Moses. Did you guys hear that? There's a, there's a portion of your Bible where God describes himself. He says, hey, I, I might be a lot of things, but if I could tell you that I'm anything, this is what I want you to know that I am. He describes himself. And in Exodus 34, 6 through 7, what we hear is that God is a God of compassion, a God of grace, a God of slow to anger or patient, loyal in love and faithfulness. So let's go back. Let's go back to verses 8 through 10, and let's, let's look at it again now that we know, right? We see loyal love. We see God's promise being highlighted. We see, we see the word merciful. We see the word compassion. But we're not seeing a description of God here. What are we looking at in the psalm? We're looking at a question of God's answer. Has his loyal love disappeared forever? promise failed forever? Has he forgotten to be merciful? Has his anger, meaning that he's patient, stifled his compassion? And so what's happening here is the author isn't saying, God, this is who you are. He's actually questioning who God is. It's a question of his character. And I love, I love what the next verses point us to. 
Because when we question God's answer, what I love about God is that he can handle it. I, I love that the Lord doesn't go, oh, no, like, don't think that. No, he just says, hey, this is who I am. And it's okay if you go through seasons where you question. And it's okay if you go through seasons where you doubt. I can handle those. More, more than handle, I can walk through those with you. And we can figure this out together. It's okay that those feelings exist in you. You don't have to pretend like they don't. But here's what, here's what the next verse is. Here's what happens as this psalmist begins to doubt and question. He says, I will remember the work of the Lord. Yes, I will remember the amazing things that you did long ago. I will think of all that you have done, and I will reflect upon your deeds. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I first read that, I thought to myself, that's the same sentence four times. Like, <laughs> whoever edited this <laughs> should have told them <laughs> that they just said the same thing four different ways, right? But what I love about our word is that it's an intentional word. And when I see something repeated like that, I should probably notice. He says, I remember the works of the Lord. Yes, I will remember, right? I will think, I will reflect. What are we describing, church? We're describing someone who is meditating on who God is. What we know from the introduction to the book of Psalms is one of the ways to be blessed by the Lord if we would meditate on who he is. And what is this psalmist meditating on? The works of the Lord. What he did long ago. Sounds like he's meditating on the Torah. Sounds like he's meditating on who God has been throughout the entire narrative of scripture. From the garden all the way through. He's meditating on what the Lord has done. Verses 13 through 15. They say, oh God, your deeds are extraordinary. Here's what I love, guys, is that this person is, is questioning the Lord. They're doubting. And God meets them in that, in that doubt. And there is a reminder of who God is and of who God has been through time. And as the psalmist meditates on that and sits with that, we see a shift, we see a change. It says, Oh God, your deeds are extraordinary. What God can compare to you, great God? You are the God who does amazing things. You have revealed your strength among the nations. You delivered your people by your strength, the children of Jacob and Joseph. He is reminded that the Bible is a redemption story, that all along God has made a way. He is redeeming his people, and he's keeping his promises. The psalm goes on. In verses 16 through 18, it says, The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and trembled. Yes, the depths of the sea shook with fear. The clouds poured down and the skies thundered. It's intense. Yes, your arrows flashed. thunderous voice was heard in the Lightning bolts lit up the world, and the earth trembled and shook. So after this realization of who the Lord has been throughout time, there's suddenly this, this description of chaos, right? There's suddenly this description of just this chaotic moment in the middle of this song. 
And I think what this is, it's a reminder to us once again that we are in between people. That we are people who, although the Lord is who he is, we live in a, in a world that is outside of Eden, outside of perfect. And there will come miserable. There will come hardship that is difficult. And there will come times when we like the psalmist. We say, Lord, I'm trying to make sense of this and I can't. But on those days, whether the chaos is on the outside or whether it's on the inside, because sometimes, sometimes what's being described here, man, it, it's, it's all around us, right? We feel like the world is, oh, Lord, I can't control any of these things that are happening to me. But let's be real. Sometimes that chaos, it's on the inside. Sometimes it looks okay, but I'm not okay. And in those moments, the Lord gives us a reminder of what he does, and it's in verse 19. It says, you walked through the sea, you passed through the surging waters, but left no footprints. In some versions, uh, it doesn't say you walked through the sea. What it says is, your way was through the water. And when I read that, I thought, oh Lord, my way is not through the water, right? My way is a very clearly marked road with signage, right, that's going to get me to my destination quick and efficient. Very rarely is my way through the water. Because I don't like to sit in my pain. I don't like the thought that the difficult, the shameful parts of my life that I don't want anyone to see, I don't like to think that God could actually lead me through those and use them for something. I just want to pretend like they're not there because that's easier. My way is not through the water, but his is. I love this verse because it's a reminder that the Lord can see what I cannot see. And that if I trust him, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to walk through difficulty, but it means that he can see the way through it. And if I would cling to him, he'd get me to the other side. So there's a couple of things I want us to consider, that this song, as I, as I thought on it and as I studied it, these are the things that I've been asking myself and I, that I want us to consider uh, these things together this morning. All right? The first is just a question. It's would you let Jesus sit in your pain with you? It might sound like a harsh question because <laughs> it's difficult. This is difficult for me because like I said, I want to pretend that it's not there, and I just want to praise. But what the book of Psalms has reminded us today is that sometimes lament has to come first. Sometimes his way is through the water. Would you let Jesus sit in your heartache and your shame, and would you, would, would you let him see it? Would you let him hear it? Would you maybe for the first time tell him, Jesus, this is what I feel, and I know it's ugly, but I think you can handle it. And more than that, I think if I were to give it to you, that you could redeem it, even though I don't see the way through. I'm not good at this. So if you aren't, you're in good company. Second thing, could we share our hearts with God without making a single request of him? Now what I don't want you to hear is that prayer 
gifts aren't good. They certainly are. The Lord is our provider, and when we need something, I think he wants us to ask him. But I also think that there's something really beautiful about sitting with the Lord, sharing our hearts with him, and not making a single request. And here's why. Because we serve a God who is not far away. He's close enough to lift our head, remember, and to open our eyes and to fix them on him. He's that close to us. And when we share our hearts with him, with no strength attached, I think it's a to us that we have a God who cares for us and wants to actually hear our hearts. He does. We're not co-workers, we're partners, right? We're not in this just to get the job done, but he sees who we are, and he loves when we share ourselves with him. So would we sit with him and just share our hearts? And maybe, maybe you're in the room and you're thinking, well, you don't, you don't see my heart. You don't know how messy that'll get. Man, you're right, but the Lord sees it. He's just waiting for you to share it with him. It's hard for me to do, too. I'm starting to think Psalm 77 was for me. I just get to share it with you guys. <laughs> Last thing before we read through the psalm all at once. God can redeem anything that I completely give to him. And I wrote that sentence just like that because there are times where I literally say that to myself to remind myself, God, you can redeem anything that I completely give to you. Because there are things in my life that I need him to redeem. There are things in my life that I am proud of that do cause shame and hurt because that's life. Every one of us in this room have things like that. But the Lord can completely redeem it. He can, like we sang this morning, take what the enemy meant for evil, and he can use it for good. He really can. He's the only one who can. So the simple question that I think follows that is what do we need to give to him today? What in your life have you just held on to and said, Lord, we're not, we're not going there? Whatever that thing is, I would just like to remind you that his way is through the water. The chaotic waves and wind, crashing lightning water. He can handle it. More than that, he can redeem it, whatever it is. So today, as Pastor Jimmy comes up to get us ready for communion, what I want to do is read through Psalm 77. And like I said at the beginning, I think that this psalm will sound different, that we've taken some time with it. And as I read the word, what I want you to know is that these are not my words. These are the word of the Lord. Because of that, they're living. If you would let them, they would over you today. And they would change you. Psalm 77, cry aloud to God, aloud to God and he will hear me. The day of my trouble I seek the Lord. At night my hand is stretched out without wearying, my soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan, and when I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. 
I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night and let me meditate in my heart and my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your works of old. I will think on all of your work, and I will meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made your might among the people. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, and your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was to the sea. Your path was through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen, and you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. What a wonderful word and encouragement this morning. And we appreciate Pastor Janine so much for, for just breaking down uh, the, the collection of books that make up the book of Psalms and, and specifically Psalm 77. She asked me what, we, what she wanted me to, or what I wanted her to, to preach on. And I told her what chapters we were reading today. Uh, but I thought, whatever you feel led to, to preach on, go for it. And, and just in true pastoral fashion, she took the assignment that she was given. She said, all right, great. I'll take what you tell me and I will preach an awesome sermon off of that because she's not afraid of anything that would be thrown away. And I'm very proud of Janine. Um, and her and Brandon are doing an incredible work. And so can we just uh, give her a round of applause for her ministry today? Amen. Amen. Very thankful for her. Um, we're going to take a time of communion together before we uh, go forward with the baptism. And so uh, as we are collecting our thoughts on that, I want us to let the words of this song speak to our hearts. And I want us to think about this today as we ponder for a few moments before we come down here to this table. What is it gonna take? What, is, what do we need to let go of in order for us to, to live in the way that God is calling us to live, that he is drawing us to live? What do we need to let go of today? I think the simplest answer is we need to let go of everything. We need to surrender it all to him. You know, I love the way that that verse uh, that she connected to that he said, my way is through the water. You know, we're getting ready to go through a time of baptism and, and baptism symbolizes the work of Christ in a believer. That they go down uh, in the old way, but they come up a new creation in Christ. And so we think about the way 
that sometimes the Lord will lead us through. It isn't easy, but it is good. And he will lead us into those good pastures. And so what a wonderful way to summarize and to get our hearts focused on the opportunities that we have. And so before we come down here, I want us to think about the words that Aaron's going to sing. And if you know the song, I want you to just, you can sing it. It's an old song, but I just think the words are powerful for us during this moment to think about it. So can we just focus our hearts on the Lord for a few moments? Yeah. 
surrender now I feel thy sacred flame and oh the joy of full salvation we sing Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we rejoice today. We celebrate today, God, the memorial of our redemption, God. And we give you praise today and thanksgiving today. And we offer you these gifts, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you bless them, God, that you come and consecrate them, Lord that you sanctify them, Lord, by your word and your Holy Spirit. And, Lord, today as we reflect on your goodness and that in the fullness of time you're going to put all things under subjection to your authority, Lord, we ask that you would continue to open our eyes and lead us and guide us today. May we feed on the bread of heaven and the cup of salvation today. May we rejoice in our redemption today. And as a people, Lord, may we come to you and recognize that you are our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Hallelujah. Lord, we do not presume to come to this, your table, trusting in our own righteousness, but we trust in your abundant and great mercies. Lord, we're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord. You're the same God whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to take the cup of salvation that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body that our souls wash through his most precious blood and that we may evermore dwell with him in fellowship and he with us. 
Lord, as we prepare these gifts, the gifts of God for your people, the people of God, may you be present today in the breaking of our bread as you were the night you broke it with your disciples. And Lord, we thank you today for that. And we pray today that your body, the bread of heaven, and your blood, the cup of salvation, would fill us today. As much as we would partake of this bread and this cup to nourish us in, this, in the natural, God, we recognize that we get our life and we are sustained by Christ, that all is Christ. And so we surrender all to you tonight. Hallelujah. Would you come? Let's partake together. Hallelujah. Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.